Previously on Quantum Kickflip. We need to be a crew that has each other's backs, or we are going to get crushed by warring corporate mega towers, underground crime syndicates, and whatever else the multiverse can throw at us. As long as you continue to serve the best interests of all the towers, and not the corporations that run them, but the people of the towers, then you will be upholding your end of the bargain. I hope you realize that I will put you first. And, and what uh, you know, Maybelline does not realize is that uh, there's some some rewriting of some of the prime directives <laughs> <laughs> in, in Trevor's uh, brain. My name's Hattie. I'm gonna be talking to the person that employs you. Have you ever thought of delivering cross towers, Brindley? And welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena. I am your host and your Slugmaster. And with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world. And they are going to introduce themselves to you now. Uh, as you introduce yourselves, I want to know, what does your character like to do on a rainy day? Hi, my name is Michael Vetch, and I'm here playing Walton Wick, the chill playbook with the robot companion. Uh, and I think uh, normally if, if it's a rainy day, Walt would spend the day inside. Uh, he'd, he'd be reading or playing video games or something like that. Uh, ever since he has uh, fully data surged uh, Scampikin into Carcinikin, uh, I think they like to go on walks in the rain because his little crab buddy likes getting wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, just little crab walks. Does Walt also walk sideways? Uh, he'll, he'll try it, you know, just to humor him, but it never goes well. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> Hi, my name is Robin. I play Maybelline Zandros, the grit playbook with the photonic jacket. And I think on the, the types of days where it's like raining outside in Operablum, if it's if it's not a not a super acidic, super toxic rain, um, she will just go out and carry out her day as the grit playbook. She's very she's very stubborn. She doesn't like to change her plans. So like no no accommodating for the weather. She doesn't even change what she's wearing. Like same jacket, same outfit, uh, and she's just wet and miserable all day. Like it, it's not a good idea, but she's <laughs> too stubborn to like uh, to cave to the weather at all. Hi, I'm Glenna. I play Brinley Zerk. She is the guts playbook with the gravity blaster in the form of a gauntlet. Uh, and rainy days are not the best for parkour. It's like in uh, Breath of the Wild. You try and climb up a thing, you slip and fall down it. So instead, she hangs out with her little sister and reads her books. Aww. Hello, my name is David Ray, and I play Trev Four, who is the heart playbook and has the hyperoptic visor. Trev Four broadly uh, is very cautious going out into the rain because he doesn't want to get rain into his circuits uh you know if it's a heavy torrential rain he is not going out there at all uh and then in addition what he's often doing on those days it's a part of his programming that he just innately warns people of like be careful not to slip you know uh, <laughs> uh just a bunch of making sure that uh there's no osha violations 
mm-hmm. happening, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. Trev, Trev is a sentient, like, folding yellow plastic sandwich board sign that says, like, caution, <laughs> slippery when wet. Yeah, pretty much, yes. That's correct. That's what that's what his uh, uh, face turns into instead of the digital display. It's just like a... <laughs> Like a triangle with the, like, exclamation point in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Liam. I play Helix Pinnacle. He's the smarts playbook with the hard light board. And yeah, as I think we just established, there we're not faking rain or, or exposing ourselves to regular rain here in Web Tower. It's all climate controlled. Um, but I have established, there's, I think, a lot of uh, slime ducts and slime <laughs> going around. Uh, and so I think there's there's sort of, like, the equivalent of like an operablen like drinking game, kind of like trying to ice someone, uh, <laughs> where you trick you, everyone's having a good time, you're partying, you, you try to trick someone, uh, ask them a question that they can't answer. And most, uh, web people are all brainy people, so they'll kind of stammer, try to give some kind of answer. But if you can trick someone into saying, I don't know, a bunch of slime pours down on their head. <laughs> <laughs> and that's 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 the closest thing to a rainy day you'll you'll find in web. Uh, and as I mentioned, my name is Lena. I am your host. And on rainy days, I like to stay in, maybe have a warm cup of tea, and try to convince my dog that she really doesn't need to go outside. Please don't make me go outside. Um, but then we <laughs> tend to go outside, and it's not a great time for either of us. Uh, cool. Welcome back to Quantum Kickflip. Welcome back to. The crew and Operablum. Uh, y'all have been through a lot uh, lately, but I think that Gold Star Disaster is emerging even stronger as a result. You're really starting to rise up as the crew for all Operablins, uh, not just the crew for any one tower, which is uh, kind of exciting. So let's see what else is in store for you today. Let's uh, let's play some Slug Blaster. Yeah. <laughs> On a so-called clear day, the horizon of Operablum is a bold crimson streak that cuts through the gray dome of a smog-filled sky. Today, however, is not a clear day. Today, the scar of the horizon is a dim, choked-out maroon, and the sky is black and brown. Orange lightning illuminates the smog, occasionally breaking through and latching on to the spidery satellites that orbit the peaks of the towers to attract the lightning away. The rain is constant and acidic, filling the air with white noise and coating the towers with a reflective sheen. The digital world of Operablum is slow-moving and choppy as the storm wreaks havoc on network connectivity. In Lansdon Enterprise Megatower, the shutters have all been tightly sealed. Of course, Kindred and Webb might admonish Lansdon for having shutters in the first place, but residents of Lansdon tend to believe that fresh air is in Operablum's future. Rain runs through gutters into reservoirs where it will later be collected and assessed for its chemical composition. And on floor 437, Brinley Zerk makes her way to post host to start her shift. Brinley, yeah. as you enter post host, you see Arachne sitting behind the desk, as you expected. What you did not expect, however, was to see Hattie. Standing across from Arachne, she's got this stern expression on her face, and Arachne looks nervous. But as you approach them, they both turn to look at you and, and seem to quickly drop whatever conversation they were having. Oh. 
Hello again. Uh, it's really nice to see you, Hattie. And Arachne, of course, hey, what's up? Brinley, so good to see you. It's been a little while. Yeah, good to see uh, you as always, and everything is normal. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> uh, uh, Hattie is smiling now, and, and she says, I was just going over the details of a very exciting cross-tower delivery. Oh, yeah? Yes, uh, we have some paperwork for you that we want you to take over to Web Corporation Mega Tower. It's a, a contract that's going to set up some recurring deliveries from Lansden to Web. Oh, awesome. And I would be the uh, the deliverer, I assume? Well, yes, it's actually a very um, high-profile agreement. You see, we're looking to deliver uh, equipment to them that they can use for Wilkie's Candy Lab. You're familiar with Wilkie's Candy Lab, right? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Very gridge. I, uh... I mean, I don't go for candy so much, but my little sister loves it, so, you know. And we figure this is going to be a chance to get Lansden in on the deal, because, of course, as you know, Webb manufactures the candy, and Kindred delivers the candy, so now Lansden can get a piece of that pie. No pun intended. And Arachne goes, ha 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 ha! Good pun! Ha 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 ha! So you're saying you're giving the opportunity to all the towers and not just one of the towers, yeah? By doing this? That sounds right up my alley. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I think it's going to be good for everyone. And Hattie smiles at Arachne, and Arachne, like, smiles back, and it's very unconvincing. (laughs) Anyway, here you go. And uh, Arachne gets this, like, big, like, padded envelope and holds it out to you. I take it. Now, there's one more detail, given that this is um, such an important delivery. We reached out to Kindred, and we were hoping that you could get your crew together to make this delivery. Oh, um, I mean, yeah, I, 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 like, I like my crew very much, and to do uh, inter-tower stuff is kind of our brand, but also... It won't get there as fast. You know that, right? Right. But we think that given that, you know, this is the start of building more bridges between the three towers, you all are a a good representation of that. Makes sense to me. Perfect. And Arachne goes, yep, perfect. Mm -hmm. This is fine and normal. Will you excuse me for a moment? And then they (laughs) dart into the back room. (laughs) Bye, Arachne. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brinley mm-hmm. Will you walk with me for a moment? Of course And the two of you uh, leave Post Host With your big padded envelope in hand And we're going to cut away for a moment we'll, we'll check back in with the two of you a little bit later But for now I want to jump forward in time of Operablum stretch like spiderwebs from one tower to the next, forming tunnels of glass and steel. 
In any one skyway, you can catch a breathtaking view of the three towers, with their walls of reflective glass and dazzling digital billboards stretching into the stratosphere. The skyways are a unique transition point, a neutral ground. As you pass through the airlock, you can see the attempts of your respective towers to stake their claim and establish their aesthetic. And it's actually here that I want to throw it to uh, the five of you. Um, what does, how would Kindred uh, uh, structure their skyways? How would Lansden, how would Webb, how do you see it happening? I feel like in what we've talked about Kindred before, they're, they're all very flashy. There's a lot of like signage and, and advertisement. Everything's kind of showy. It's cross between art and function and also mass uh, consumerism. So I feel like there's there's going to be a lot of billboards. There's going to be a lot of uh, interactive things like, oh, the Pedways have art built into the framing and stuff. And if you stand in a certain way, it makes these towers look special because of a, a, a particular panel or something. And like there, there's a lot of flash and panache and uh, you may not get there the most efficiently, but you know what? It's a, it's going to be a fun time. Nice. I, I can also kind of see if, if these skyways are like, you know, meeting up in between that there's probably like some sort of dividing line between the two towers. I can also see at a lot of them uh, on the kindred side, there, there might be like some sort of hologram of some sort of person to uh, welcome you to kindred kind of as a way of like, it's so fun here. Like they, they, they put that face <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs> uh, to like, welcome to kindred. And uh, they have like a mascot just called the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's no yeah. real person, but the mayor always says hi to you when you cross over to kindred. That's so funny. On the Lansden side, I feel like, you know, if, if kindreds are like, the, the doors that open automatically as you approach them lands inside. I could picture like big chunky gears that have to turn and like mm-hmm. more like the door uh, is a weird pull, but to like a car wash where like you're waiting outside <laughs> and then like slowly lifts and it's like, please wait until the door is entirely open. And you're yeah. like, it's it's most I can fit my car under, but you got to wait. And I could see also in the pedways in between to try and like welcome people in. Like I think Lansden being all about like reclamation and rehabilitating Opera Ablum, Maybe there's like, little uh, strips of greenery, like gardens on either side of the Pedway, um, just as pathetic as all of the other greenery in Lansden <laughs> and like in Opera Ablum in general, where it's like there is not natural sunlight. There's not a lot of natural rain that won't corrode you. Uh, but they're trying really hard with like grow lights and hydroponics to like keep some moderate, modest greenery and it's all covered in brown spots and stuff. But it's like, look, look how we're doing it. <laughs> We're really doing it. <laughs> I think the web ones are very utilitarian, uh, like an airport uh, between airport terminals uh, where there's like people movers on the left. There's walkways on the right. Um, a bunch of uh, if there's any art, they're equally spaced, like kind of, you know, pleasing image, like statistically proven to be pleasing images <laughs> in like <laughs> frames that are evenly spaced and the same yeah. size. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, any, any plant life is very like deliberate and plant like place there artificially, but, but cared for and somewhat flourishing. I think there are slime ducks that maybe run parallel, but it gives it a bit of that, like maybe even like sort of like 70s stripey line aesthetic. Like uh, I, I'm pretty sure the Montreal Metro kind of has that like, like like con- okay. congruent lines running along spaces. Uh, but yeah, mostly utilitarian and boring like an airport. Very good. So I'm picturing for all of these unique aesthetics that these towers try to bring to the Skyway, uh, it maybe only extends about a third of the way out. 
and the the middle third of every skyway just sort of fades into this neutral sort of tunnel. Uh, and it's here that, you know, maybe they have those uh, moving walkways. Maybe there's even like uh, uh, a train running along some of the skyways, maybe some of the more um, populated ones, um, like little hover trains that, that run the length of it from one tower to the next. Huge windows all around, glorious views. You're all seeing this storm and the the rain against the glass and the lightning illuminating the sky. Uh, and Walt and Trev, you are making your way down a skyway towards Webb on floor 244. This skyway is not as well-maintained and maybe not as flashy uh, as some of the skyways that might be on higher floors. You know, instead of a hologram of the mayor saying, you know, welcome to Kindred, it's like (laughs) a standee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they haven't replaced the holographic bulb yet. Absolutely. And yeah, it's just like kind of like some of the, the lights along have kind of burnt out as well. Uh, just has like a, a bit of an, a not well kept sort of vibe. And as you get further and further into the Skyway, you're sort of getting this feeling more and more as you move away from the Kindred and into the more neutral areas of the Skyway. There's no train here. There really aren't a lot of people. In fact, if you do see people, they're not really busy and bustling. They are either in very tight clusters, keeping to themselves and avoiding eye contact as they hurry past you, or they're actually not moving through this skyway. They are hanging out, just like sitting up against the windows. It seems like there needs to be some better uh, maintenance in this pedway. I should report it to my superiors. And like, uh, makes a note of it, like a little file, like uh, maintenance needs to be done on uh, floor 244's pedway. (laughs) Yeah, well, good luck reporting that, Trev. They don't pay much uh, attention or resources to any of these lower levels once you get past uh, level four or three. Yes, it does seem like sometimes resources do not get to where they should. I will say, it's nice to travel between towers without having to go all the way down to Trinity Municipal Park. It's uh, quite a hike when you have to go through that many different floors. Indeed. It, it is fun to also see different places that we've never been before. Yes, this presents quite the interesting opportunity for your crew. Uh, that was Scampykin talking from the Daibo Vice on, on Walt's hip. <laughs> Before we get too much further, I, I was wondering if I could maybe, like, I don't know, tap into my Realmware lens to see if there's energy fields, invisible entities, and in-depth biometrics. Because, you know, the, maybe the, a part of my report needs to bring back, like, oh, this is, this is what's happening here. You know what? I'm not even going to make you roll. For this, Ooh. you um, look for uh, energy fields. Um, there's not really anything that you find with your realmware lens that's like particularly hidden or invisible. You very much get the impression that, yeah, this is just a skyway that like isn't as high tech. Maybe it was high tech once upon a time, but they kind of got rid of it when the Skyway uh, was less used 
or, you know, it went obsolete or the power cells died out and they never really bothered to replace it. So there's not really anything that would particularly jump out at you as you head through like the first two thirds of this skyway. Um, maybe it'll, maybe it raises the question, uh, why Kindred authorized this Skyway in the first place. You're pretty sure that Brinley mentioned something about the delivery taking place on one of the 600 floors? And you're on 244. Surely a higher floor Skyway would have been better. What are they doing? Why would they do this to you? I mean, still seeing the sad state of affairs down here, I think as a part of my report, uh, there will be a frowny face emoji at the end. Uh, not a standard thing, but that's a little bit more of Trev 4, just like, this is sad. Ooh. A scathing indictment. And scathing, yeah. Wow. But as you approach the web side, you see things start to get somehow more utilitarian than they were. Um, it is now not just a utilitarian, but like specifically utilitarian aesthetic, if that makes sense. A slime duck pokes out of the wall and is now like bare running alongside the wall. Uh, it's painted like the kind of purple you see on like a paper cup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, you, you know that Helix is meeting you in this skyway. Uh, he's on the other side. Brinley and uh, Maeve are coming through on a skyway from Lanston, and they're going to meet you uh, in Web Tower itself, but Helix is meeting up with you because you're just on the lower floor skyway. But as you're sort of approaching, getting a little bit closer to Web Tower, uh, you pass kind of a bigger group of people who ha have just kind of staked this skyway as their hangout, basically. And as the two of you walk by this group, they all kind of start to, like, perk up and, and look at you. Um, they seem to particularly be looking at you, Trev4. Okay. And uh, one of them uh, maybe calls out to Walt and says, it's a nice looking bot you got there. Oh, uh, thanks. Uh, uh, you can send your compliments to the, to the valet himself, though. <laughs> Trev keeps up in pretty good form. Uh, real quick, is, is, is it very identifiable who uh, these people are uh, uh, which tower that they are part of? Are they web? I think for you it would be clear that they are web because it seems like they're all wearing clothes that they've owned for longer than a month. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... Are they wearing fashion or just jumpsuits? <laughs> they are wearing jumpsuits. Okay, uh, I would like... Uh, uh, on that report that Trev is doing, he's added another smile, uh, uh, frowny face. <laughs> Perhaps the other thing that you notice that tips off that the uh, these are web is uh, as they sort of turn to look at you and start to stand, you not only, like, you know, hear the rustling of clothes as they stand, but you hear sort of the, like, of mechanics moving. And uh, one of them is looking at you with a glowy red eye. Greetings. I am Trev4. It is wonderful to meet you, and I appreciate your compliment. And uh, Trev for, uh, walks forward, and you know that one who, who said that, Trev Four is going to offer a gold <laughs> sticker and just like uh, try to like put it onto uh, the individual's like collar or whatever. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I guess I, I, although as I'm getting close, I, you know, my intuition might kick in who likes who and dislikes who. 
what someone really wants if somebody's vibes are off, uh, I think that might kick in before I actually get there. <laughs> that is a great point, actually. And Trev, <laughs> as you approach with your thumb extended, uh, gold star sticker at the ready waiting to be dispensed, I think your intuition does kick in. As this group of people start to slowly close in around you, you start to uh, sense that the vibes are indeed off. Um, they don't want to uh, uh, make pleasant, friendly conversation. Uh, they seem to have some sort of ulterior motive. Uh, the, the little slot on my thumb closes up, and uh, I maybe stand up a little bit more straight and say, it seems that there seems to be some sort of problem. <laughs> I would like to uh, address such a problem, and I can... Take your complaint into consideration. <laughs> the robot equivalent of like, you got a problem, huh? Well, you can say it to my face. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Good as Trev. I, I think we might be out of uh, the, the kindred jurisdiction for you to make any further reports, uh, folks. We, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep heading down the, the skyway. Uh, d- don't need to cause you to get up from your loitering. Uh, <laughs> please remain seated. What's your hurry? Surely you want someone to show you the sights. Ever heard of Knacker's Row? It's on floor 249, and I feel like your friend here would be a great fit. (laughs) Meanwhile, in the Skyway, from Lansden to Webb, we join up with Maybelline and Brinley. Uh, You're on a Skyway on floor 437, the same floor that Post Host is on. Pretty convenient. Uh, Probably uh, a vestige of the time that cross-tower deliveries were a lot more common. Uh, Of course, Post Host these days is very uh, rah-rah Lansden. We are Lansden. We are at the central hub of Lansden, uh, the heart of Lansden, if you will. Uh, Cross Towers, what's that? Never heard of her. (laughs) But of course, Brinley, you are, uh, uh, I've heard of her. Her name is Brinley Zerk, uh, (laughs) the Cross Tower Courier operating out of Post Host, which is, of course, a perfectly normal and above-board thing to be happening. (laughs) So your Skyway is a little bit more well-maintained. Maybe not as ritzy, because it's, you know, lensed into web, not kindred to anything. Um, But yeah, the two of you are walking down, uh, and we're just gonna uh, catch up with you briefly. I'm just saying, like, early on, he didn't seem interested at all in slug blasting, but but now like he's had his opportunity to to tap out and and after the peelback I I thought maybe he would but but he keeps sticking around right and like sure maybe he's getting a sense of you know maybe he's getting the hang of slug blast again maybe he's getting a sense of camaraderie and and fellowship out of the out of the crew but but maybe maybe there's something else to it maybe he's sticking around for for something or or someone who's uh you know caught his attention yeah I mean. Well, it seems like a pretty distractible guy, so I'm sure there's lots of things keeping his attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but do you, do you think it might be anything in, in particular? Oh, I don't know. He seems really uh, really involved in that Daibo Vice thing. <sighs> yeah, we did just get all those fancy coils that let him upgrade his little buddy. That's that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, listen. That doesn't mean that you, he's never going to notice you. Like, you, you did that whole, like, sort of date thing. 
back at Dabocon, kind of. I mean, we we did go to a restaurant to get food. We didn't eat any of the food, but we <laughs> we, we we went there together. <laughs> That's the important part, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And like last time. You were in a slime tunnel together? We did end up in a slime tunnel. It was pretty cozy in there. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's <laughs> taking an interest. That's that's plausible, right? Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think it's a, a definite plausibility and a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Bryn. No problem, Maeve. So what is this Wilkies that we're delivering the contract to? Like, I, is, that's not one of the mega corporations. You, you gotta remember, I'm, I'm new to this dimension. Is it is it like a tax firm or or some kind of manufacturing thing it's it's a pretty boring name I'd... no 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 wilkie's is a a candy factory they make candies like you know sweets the confections uh... wait it's that wilkie's yeah it's wilkie's wilkie's <laughs> yeah yeah so you've heard of them holy fucks this changes everything what can we get there faster we gotta go <laughs> you want to run well, there won't be any rain in web, so it can start. But you can't keep up with me, Maeve. You know that. Hey, if I'm on my board, I, I think it's you that's got to worry about keeping up. <laughs> All right. Let's make this interesting. <laughs> if you can beat me, I will give you an opportunity to be alone with Walt on this delivery. Ooh. All right. And if you beat me, I'll sneak you some of that. Arborist tech you've always been <gasps> bugging me about. Some of the orbs. Oh, okay. You're on. Deal? Deal. And she holds out two fists. Bump either one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bryn does one of those, like, top to bottom fist bumps. Yes. <laughs> yes. And on the good. way back up. And then ends with a, a little, little tap. Excellent. How are we doing this race? What is it? Just high roll wins? It sounds like I think a high roll wins uh, scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean, your resources are your resources. I don't know what rules you want to set for yourselves in this. <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of, of use whatever you want. It's just less resources to take into the run. Uh-huh. <laughs> can can we uh, both roll and say after what how many dice we rolled and what we added to it and stuff so that we don't... Uh, don't get into a one-upsmanship competition. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Ooh. That's fun. Because <laughs> I, I also don't know how kick would work, you know? It's probably, if you're adding anything, it's going to be dice to try and get a higher roll. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what it is, though. Mm. Uh, if you want to add a kick, you can add plus one to your roll, just like in Vestige. I will say I'm doing a trick. Yeah, me too. Okay, then there will be a problem if you roll too low. <laughs> <laughs> All right. May the best slug blaster win. So I'm using my ability of sacrifice your body to take a slam to get plus 2d6 to my action. And the slam can't be noped or avoided in any way. You just got to take it, kid. And I also used a kick from my, my attitude. And rolling three dice with a kick, the highest I got was a four, which is now a five. Okay. Cool. I get 1d6 when I do a trick. Mm-hmm. You just can't help it. The spotlight loves you. I added a d6 for my attitude, and I have my regular d6. I added a kick, and I rolled a six. Ah. Oh, boy. 
Both of you roll 3d6 with the kick, and with a grand total of seven, Brinley wins this race. Uh, I want y'all to describe to me what it looks like the two of you racing down this skyway, the rain falling all around you, lightning illuminating the sky. So the thing I wanted to do is uh, she uses her illegally gotten field inverter roll to temporarily modify the gravity of a room-sized or smaller area you target with your gravity beam. Choose whether the gravity there is increased, decreased, reversed, pointing sideways. Roll each time you want to change it. Wow. And uh, initially I was like, oh, I could do this to screw with Maeve. And then I was like, no, Brinley wouldn't do that. But what she would do is make the gravity uh, sideways. Oh. And she would run along the wall where nobody is. So there's no people in her way. Um, I love that. And maybe let's like intentionally or not, maybe it does screw with Maeve because does it, it makes the gravity in the entire room different, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So I think Maeve doesn't quite catch it in time and takes a tumble. And maybe that's where that slam comes from. And the sacrifice your body is, is uh, she hits the, uh, hits the wall a little hard and, and has to right herself again. Uh, what do we call the slam? Uh, if anyone else uh, is in the skyway and like slams up against the wall with you, I want to call it dogpiled. Yes, oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Maeve gets dogpiled. Um, yeah, some some random uh, Lansdenites um, that are just you know hanging out in the skyway up to no good, uh, smoking their death sticks, etc. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> inadvertently get caught up in this gravity field and and we all take a tumble, but Maeve claws her way out, um, one hand coming up out of the dog pile, shredder at the end of Ninja Turtle style, claws her way out of the pile, um, and, uh, and, and scrambles to catch up, but Bryn's got too much of a head start. Maeve, eventually you do manage to, as you said, crawl your way out, uh, and you're sort of racing along, but yeah, uh, Bryn is too far ahead of you. Eventually the gravity does, uh, uh, shift back and the two of you are on the floor once again, as you should be. And you're, you're approaching closer to Web Tower at this point. And as you near the doors, you see two Operablen security guards uh, stationed on either side of the door. You can't really make out any of their features because they are both wearing helmets that completely cover their heads and faces. And where their eyes would be are like two goggle lenses that are glowing red. So it's, think like, featureless, full visor black helmet with circular, glowing red eyes. They are wearing dark clothing all around, dark, militaristic-looking vests. Uh, Across the front in big letters is the word security. Gloves, a belt with uh, grenade-like orbs. Oh, boy. And you also see, like, what looks like something that looks like a baton, something that looks like maybe a taser or something, some kind of ray gun adjacent uh, firearm. And as you approach the door, they both uh, move in a little bit closer to each other uh, to kind of block your way. Uh, And one of them says, halt, state your business. Oh, uh, delivery for Wilkie's Candy Factory. From Lansden? That's right. Your name? Brinley Zerk. We got proper clearance. They, they, they told us it was all Gridge. Brinley, you said it was all Gridge, right? Yeah, should be. They, they both uh, stare at you. You have no idea what they are thinking. 
uh, uh, and they glance at each other, and one of them says, call it in. And the other one turns a little bit away uh, and starts uh, speaking into a receiver on their lapel. Call it in. No, don't call it in. Don't call it in. (laughs) We're going to jump back to the Kindred Skyway, where Wolf and Trev, you are uh, being surrounded by a group of people, and uh, they're they're just kind of like, look generally kind of menacing. But one of them has like, brought forth this (laughs) very sad looking robot that's on like, conveyor belt style wheels. Uh, and clearly looks cobbled together from maybe four or five other robots. Um, hmm. But also one of its arms is a buzzsaw. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I'm going to get you to roll to see how this situation overall goes for you. Uh, it's going to be one roll. You're going to get out of this one way or another. Just how well you roll determines how well you get out of it. Um, and Helix, what I will say is maybe you are waiting just outside Web Tower and you're seeing this crowd forming in the distance. Um, so you can absolutely contribute to this role. Since I get that, that sweet 2d6 to begin with, uh, are you all right if I make it or? Yes, I, I think so. Uh, so what I'm going to do is from uh, my attitude, I'm going to give you an extra d6. I'm kind of scanning their emotions, their feelings, their uh, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and it it might come pl- through in the in, in a a thing that could be portrayed as like a threat or uh, <laughs> you know a helping to him. So I you know I think I'll, I'll let you roll, and uh, uh, if we roll bad, I'm going to say something. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that can even like lend itself in in the fact that like Trev kind of tipped off that the the situation was shifting in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Liam, did you want to throw anything in as Helix or or? Yeah, I would just add an attitude, a, a, a smarts attitude. I'll add a d six. Six. So I'm rolling four d six. That is both a six and double fours. <laughs> All right. Mark one style for Steezy, and tell me how uh, the two of you get out of this, or the three of you get out of this, unscathed. I think, like, (laughs) truly, if this were an anime, this is the one scene where, like, suddenly there's, like, a sweeping camera motion as it moves in a circle, uh, seeing Trev and Walt sort of stand back to back, and the crowd is moving in, and, like, the animation's just a little choppy. It's almost like they're animating on the twos just so it's more erratic, but it's clearly, like, it's all been still shots and very, like, basic up to this point, but suddenly we're sweeping into the action. Uh, And as the camera sort of spins around and we see uh, it coming past Trev... Uh, and the sensors are looking around everywhere. Uh, it, Walt is revealed behind Trez's frame, and with a seamless motion, he sweeps the Dibovice off his hip and summons out Carcinikin. Uh, and then Carcinikin uh, sort of jumps up above the two of them, uh, two crab claws outstretched either way, and shouts out, Bubble Binder! Uh, and then just swaths of aquamarine bubble foam shoot out of these claws as he spins and it both pushes all the 
all the people who are crowding in back up against the sides of the skyway, but also kind of holds them there as they kind of loosely float, just covered in this very slippery f bubble foam, uh, which gives us an opening to then sort of run uh, over towards Helix, who like maybe just uh, like sh uh, gets into the corridor and is like waving us down, showing us where to go, kind of thing. Oh yeah, maybe I've got like a side door, like a side door. Like don't don't keep going. This hallway is gonna go quite a, quite a ways still. Um, when mm -hmm. this disperses, they can, it's a straight shot to chase you. But if you hang a, hang a left here, he's doing the pss, pss. Come here. Yeah. Oh, like a side skyway? I love that. And, and as, you know, Trev4 is kind of jogging along. I, once again, Trev4 has like 360 degree vision or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but even as he's going, his head rotates on his, uh, on his shoulders <laughs> and is like looking directly back with his robotic face and taking it in and there's like this kind of scanning like this idea of like whatever this animosity is it it bothers him he takes in this information like why are they acting so aggressive it doesn't make sense this feels like it's out of place but then he you know rotates his head around and uh, follows them out mm-hmm um, and I think what I'll give you as well, Trev, is uh, you recall um, in your your memory banks from quite a while ago, um, uh, not long after your most recent memory wipe, you and Walt went through Web Tower, and you remember not seeing any robots in Web at all. And uh, based on that that one that you saw that had you know the buzz saw for the arm. Um, you can pretty reliably piece together that robots aren't really a thing in web. Uh, you're kind of the shiniest piece of tech that is walking around web tower, and that may have been attracting their attention. Gotcha. Uh, Trev4, because the teammate you helped uh, on the action succeeded, you can get your attitude back. Yeah. And Trev, Walt, and Helix, because a six was rolled... Mark a style. I like style. Ooh. Oh, nice. Won't say no to that. Does that mean that was a disaster roll? Maybe. Like a mini boy. Speaking of, hey, Bryn. Hey, Maeve. Y'all want to make a roll for me? <laughs> hmm. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, yes. Although, not after <laughs> not after what you just implied. <laughs> Focus on the mini. The mini. <laughs> okay. How many dice we rolling? So I only get 1d6 on my attitude, and I don't know that I can justify doing a trick in this situation, which is normally where <laughs> I get my extra d6s from. Mm. I get my extra d6s from taking a slam, and I already took one of those. Um, you want to take another? <laughs> you know what? I think I know how I want to play this. Can I make the roll for us, and mm -hmm. can I use some of my jacket abilities? Sure. So I will roll our, you know, we get 1d6 just as a base. I'm going to add one from my photonic jacket. And I guess, yeah, do you have anything you want to add or can add, Brindley, or do you want to... I mean, I could give you 1d6 from attitude. I feel like being gutsy in the face of security is a thing. Yeah, okay. So I'll be rolling with 3d6 total. Mm -hmm. um, and I would like to use the new ability that I unlocked last time, which is the concept prism. Ooh. 
You mark one turbo to temporarily split into 3d6 colorful instances of yourself. They are difficult to control, but tend to act like you would and stay nearby. Uh, basically want to confuse these security goons with a bunch of maves, a bunch of colorful hard light <laughs> maves. Um, S- Slugmaster, if I mark uh, uh, turbo to do this thing, because it's not a roll, it's just you mark a turbo and you get to do it. Would I be able to carry that turbo over and just like add that to the roll itself? Can I, if I like mark a d6, can I, can I use that d6 towards this roll? Yeah, I'll allow that. I feel like that wouldn't be the case normally, but this is a slightly unconventional roll. So I'll allow it for this one. All right. So first off, I'm going to roll 3d6 to figure out how many maves we're dealing with. That is a four and a three and a one. We got eight maves. <laughs> That's so many. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, now I will make this actual roll to see how well this whole play works for us. Roll in 3d6. We got a five. Okay. D- describe the the maves that sort of approach and, and, and what your sort of play is. So I think the way I picture the concept prism is like mave after hearing, you know, call it in. Hops on her hoverboard, smashes something on the side of her jacket, taps a taps a patch, and um, as she moves forward on her board, instances of her are left behind in the like, like it's almost like someone's taking snapshots as she is hoverboarding forward. But then each of those splits off and veers off a separate direction. So there's like uh, a violet mave that skates off one way, and a chartreuse mave that goes another direction, and a. a fuchsia mave that goes yet another dimension and they're all just sort of scrambling around in this area trying to cause as much chaos as possible. does say they're difficult to control but tend to act like you Um, and so Mm -hmm. I think if if mave is attempting to cause chaos, so would Mm -hmm. all these other maves and that difficulty to control is uh, is kind of an Mm -hmm. advantage in this case. (laughs) All with the hope of creating enough pandemonium that we can slip through and get where we're going and out of sight of these two guards. Uh, I do want to say because Maeve has like a metallic skin tone, like uh, I think we've established that her skin is like the color of brass. Yes. I'm picturing like jewel tones, like an amethyst Maeve and a uh, like a garnet Maeve. <laughs> Ooh, I love that kind of glowy jewel tones. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and and the two of you make it through. Um, the the one security guard that was still kind of facing you is like thrown and like turns and gives chase for a little bit, but then the other one catches up to them. And they both kind of stop, and, and, and in the pandemonium, the two of you do manage to slip through. Uh, and I, I do love this distraction play as you do, because uh, I am going to still follow uh, uh, disaster rule rules to a degree. Brinley and Maeve mark one trouble. Dang. But the two of you have made it to Web Tower. Uh, you are on floor 37. Uh, you know that uh, Helix... Trev and Walt are on floor 244. We're actually going to go back now. Back to Hattie and Brinley, back in time, as they are making their way through Lansdon Enterprise Mega Tower at Hattie's behest. And, and as you're uh, moving away from post host and, and heading down uh, one of the wider uh, walkways, um, basically the operable and equivalent of a street, uh, Hattie says, Well, now that that's out of the way, I can tell you what the job is really about. Oh, do tell. We needed a cover. Something that post host could buy. 
What I want you to actually deliver to Webb is much more direct and will have much more impact if it goes well. And Hattie reaches into her pocket, takes out something wrapped in cloth, and unwraps it to reveal something that's kind of brown-black in color. She breaks a small piece off and holds it out to you and says, Try it. How? Uh, She raises an eyebrow, pops the small piece into her mouth, breaks off another piece and holds it out to you. Gotcha. It's a food. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She she nods. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Brindley tries it. You try it, and it's... It's not exactly chocolate, but it's basically what we would know to be chocolate. Um, but I don't think Brinley would have encountered this before. It's got this like bitter, kind of roasted, kind of sweet taste to it. Uh, and it melts in your mouth as you eat it. It's quite tasty. Oh, normally I don't go for sweets, but this is really nice. Thank you. We are hoping that... Mr. Wilkie agrees. Hmm. I want you to take a sample of this directly to the candy lab in Web Tower. If we can convince Mr. Wilkie to make this a part of their product line, that's going to mean so much more to Lansden than delivering some... (laughs) factory equipment oh i get it i think you can see why i want you to bring the crew right to protect it (laughs) this contract is set to be delivered to floor 619 there's an access card in there so you can get to floor 619 without incident but According to the information that we have, we believe that the entrance to Wilkie's Candy Lab is on floor 647. Gotcha. Eventually, you're going to have to go places that you are not authorized to go. And you're not going to want to cross Operablin's security. Not by myself, anyway. (laughs) No. Which brings me to my next point. Webb has some of the best security in Operablem, primarily because they rely on biometric input. We are going to need to make sure that Gold Star Disaster's biometrics give you access. There's one of two ways to do this, Brinley. One, we have a contact who you can meet up with, who can give you the assets that you need. Or... Someone in your crew is a resident of Webb. If we get his biometrics, we can input those into the system to give you access. All right, I'm sure Helix won't mind. (laughs) 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 Sounds good. We're here. And the two of you had taken an elevator, a very short elevator ride, maybe 20 floors, made your way down some pretty generic-looking, brutalist Lansden hallways, and you're standing in front of an unmarked door. And now, we're going to go back to Webb and back to the present. 
there, Gold Star listeners. It's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster. I just wanted to pop in to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip, and to ask that if you've been enjoying this season of Quantum Kickflip, please tell people you know who might also like the show. Word of mouth is so, so big for us. Also, please consider leaving a five-star review, a gold star review, if you will, eh? on your podcast app of choice. We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to subscribe to us there for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also support us by subscribing to Quantum Kickflip on Patreon. We've recently done a little bit of tweaking with our tier system, so for just a little bit of support, $2 a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip. And for $5 a month, you can get that early access access plus exclusive bi-weekly bonus content. We've been running our Patreon for a while. We've got some incredible bonus content on there. And the bonus content that I want to highlight today is the adventures of Power Forest and Lisa Ultra Girl. This was a very special one-shot recording of Slug Blaster that I ran for Mikey, the creator of Slug Blaster, and his six-year-old daughter, Billy. Mikey plays Lisa Ultra Girl, and Billy plays Power Forest. And in this holiday-themed adventure, the two of them venture into the golden jungle to find the perfect Christmas tree. That tree looks so good. Power. I think we have to go and get that tree. Power Forest. Oh, sorry. Power Forest. <laughs> Power Forest. Do you, do you think we should? Do you think we should sneak out of school and go find that Christmas tree? Um, not not until not not until not until weekend. Not until the week. Oh, power. I mean, power. Okay, Power Forest, I know how much you love school and studying, so I guess, and I love you, so I guess I'll stay here, And but on the weekend, we're going. Yeah. To listen to the incredible adventures of Power Forest and Lisa Ultra Girl, subscribe at patreon.com slash quantum kickflip. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can check them out at amaas.ca. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the next chapter of this run on Wednesday, May 3rd. All right, let's get you back to the action. star disaster you have all made it through your respective skyways and emerge in web corporation mega tower uh brinley and mave you were in the 400s uh helix and uh trev and Walt, you are in the low twos uh for the three of you it will be a short trek up and for Bryn and mave it's going to be a bit of a trek down uh as all of you are uh following a ping that was given to you by Brinley that's taking you of all places to floor 252. Who knows what's there, but we join up with the five of you as you all eventually make your way to this location ping. Well, you you see, Trev, it, it's not that we don't have robots here in web. We just don't think of 
computing units in the same way that the the other towers do. I mean, Kindred, you guys like to personify, uh, anthropomorphize your your robots. They're, they're people. They're walking around. Lansden, they, they maybe don't put faces on them, but they're still sort of defined by the unit they take up in the physical space. Little vacuuming robots, uh, arms mounted to assembly lines. Uh, but we're, we're maybe a little less romantic about it here in web. Everything's really just data in, output out. Uh, you, you give the system, the algorithm, the artificial intelligence, the, the information it needs, and uh, uh, through refinement and precision, you, you get the desired outcome. Like, just, just look around. And he starts sort of gesturing to things. They're like everyday things they're walking past, and there's like a person reading on a bench, and you see them try to like squint at what they're reading, and uh, the light above them just sort of gets brighter naturally <laughs> so it's all tied to biometrics you see it's it's really just about optimizing for what uh, each individual needs from the system in any given moment uh, or this for example and then he gestures to like one of the, the i think there i said there's like people movers like an airport mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it just gets wider as an elderly person in a mobility scooter sort of approaches it like it just becomes accommodating uh, for those needs. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, like panels slide away on either side to widen it. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 really uh, it, 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 understanding that, that computing is just systems all around you. I mean, uh, sort of smugly now, he's, he's kind of getting a little full of himself. They stop in front of just a big purple panel on a wall and he puts his <laughs> hand on the panel and just goes, peach meltdown. And then a window like flashes with a white W opens another panel in the wall you didn't even know was there and then inside like a white light box a uh, a can of panic energy drink has been opened and is fizzing and he he takes it out uh goes goes to take a sip and then is like actually i was just trying to trying to prove a point i don't really drink this stuff walt do you want it <laughs> oh sure thing i haven't tried the peach yet that's what the vending machines look like in web oh my god <laughs> <laughs> if i am to understand this then you do not desire for computers to connect with you. Rather, you would want computers to bend to your will. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to say uh, we connect to the computers. I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. I don't. I mean, it's it's kindred that puts faces on you guys, which which creates a feeling of subservitude and and ownership over another being uh i'll be honest it's taken quite a long time of getting to know you to, to think of you as something other than just a an automated series of inputs and outputs i i, I it's through through hanging out with you and walt and scampy can't to to learn that you've you've got a personality and and uh something that makes you unique but you, you have to understand everyone here in web might have a harder time accepting your autonomy no pun intended would i be more useful as a robot if I simply did what you wanted. I the who that's that's for the the philosophers, you know. I I I, <laughs> I, I was just sort of explaining why you don't see any uh, you know vending machines walking around with legs. I, I I and and try to also explain why why those people in the skyway were so hostile towards you. Mm. Nonsense, Trevor. Our adaptive personalities are a stunning part of our AI design. It's what makes us who we are and makes me Walton's friend. Interesting. Adaptive personalities. Is that what you call things like scampykin, uh, data surging? I suppose that'd be a, 
an aspect of data surging. A, a Daibo can, can take on different personality shifts, but really they still retain memory in a way, and they can interact. They're more than just a program. I, I really do see Scampikin as, as my partner. Or Carcinokin, I guess I should say. I'm still not used to it. <laughs> I suppose if I did not have an adaptive learning algorithm that I would not inject Walton with an unwanted euphorophil shot. Trev, really, you don't need to worry about stuff like that. Like, what came up back in Daibokan was just, just a misunderstanding. I appreciated your instincts and, well... We all learn from it, right? Exactly. Adapting. We're all adapting. And as these three have this, like, ongoing conversation about, you know, existentialism and the nature of the <laughs> self and, and, and philosophy, uh, off in the distance, maybe coming out of a hyperlift, uh, you can hear an equally philosophical discussion going on, <laughs> getting closer and louder, going, I just can't believe it's the real Wilkies. I mean, I, I've been such a huge fan for, I mean, Cherry Imploders, Fizzy Pricklers, Yum Gunk. Oh my God. I can't even believe that we're going to actually get to see where Wilkies comes from. Oh, I wonder if they still have Cherry Cola Oligarchs. Those have been discontinued back at Venice and I've always wanted to get my hands on some. I just don't understand why you heard the name, if you're such a big fan, and assumed it wasn't the... Uh, Wilkies. I don't know. I just assumed it would be some boring operablum thing, like... Everything in this dimension has been, you know, not not to, no offense or anything, but it's it's all been so so harsh and and oppressive and uh, dystopian. Is that the right word? <laughs> it's I can't imagine a a candy factory in a place like this, or candy lab, I guess. But still, well, to be fair, I don't know if it's in the tower proper. Oh, hmm? oh, a helix, Trav, Walt, hey. Hey, how's it going? Yes, we've all arrived at the ping. This is where we were summoned. I don't see any big Wilkie signs anywhere. Bryn, are you sure you got the right info? Uh, I'm going to take a second to talk about what Wilkies is. Uh, Wilkies is a faction in the Slug Blaster rulebook. Um, a little bit of uh, an excerpt excerpt from the book, Wilkie's is the local multiverse's largest confectionery and other foodstuffs brand. They've had an active presence in the slugger scene since launching their youth-targeted energy drink, Panic Energy. So Wilkie's is all things sweet. Candy, lollipops, gumdrops, sugar packets, sucrose pouches, you name it, Wilkie's <laughs> has got it. Uh, Wilkie's also has a bit of an air of mystery about it. Um, the multiverse generally is aware of the fact that Wilkie's uh, operates out of Operablum, and Operablins are generally aware of the fact that Wilkie's Candy Lab is somewhere in the upper, upper floors of Web Corporation Mega Tower, uh, and that uh, their their packaging and, and distribution is generally handled by Kindred Multiversal Mega Tower. Um, but beyond that, the the actual inner workings of Wilkie's Candy Lab, including the exact location of the Candy Lab itself, is a mystery. This floor is 
you're you're in the mid twos, which in any tower there's not a lot going on with it. You know, not a lot in the way of crowds or events or cool things going on. And this particular hallway that you have been led to, um, uh, this ping uh, Brinley was given to you by Hattie, um, looks uh, uh, particularly empty, except for one Operablin who is kind of tall, wearing a long black coat, uh, also wearing blue goggles, a face mask, and gloves. And they sort of sidle up to the five of you and say, here you're looking for access. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, though we do have a, a, a web native with us, so um, we can just use his biometrics, right? You're okay with that, Kelix, right? This was not part of the brief. What are you talking about? Come on. And they start to walk. All right. Uh, well, we can walk and talk, I guess. Um, uh, and uh, this person uh, sets off at a brisk pace, uh, leading you down uh, a hallway and into what's kind of a, an open space, but the hallways that you're going through are very, like, narrow and winding. Um, and on either side of you uh, are kind of like bay doors, like what you would find in storage lockers. Um, and they are walking with a strong sense of purpose. <laughs> okay, um, so Hattie said there were, like, assets that you were going to give us, but I don't know if we need the assets. There was, like, a choice one and choice two, and I was actually hoping to talk with my crew about the choices. Um, you're going, like... Not too fast for me, obviously, but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> the Operablin doesn't really respond. Uh, uh, just barely, barely uh, slows their pace, but is still uh, walking quite briskly. Would I be able to get a sense of, like, if somebody's uh, vibes are off with my intuition? Ooh. Also, I have my omniscience aperture, and I can see through walls into objects and all around you. <laughs> <laughs> you sure can. Yes, I can. <laughs> Especially as I'm going to a place that I'm unfamiliar with. Yes, amazing. Okay, um, here's what I will give you, Trev. For mm -hmm. your intuition on this operablin picks up absolutely nothing. Ooh. You cannot get a sense of if they like or dislike anybody. You, can, you can't even really pick up much of a vibe to tell if it is off. Like, they have biometrics, like a breath and heartbeat and shit. Like, they're a real operable, and they're not like a, a weird robot or something that's been programmed to not feel emotions. But, like, where your intuition is usually pretty spot on with anybody you meet, with this person, there's nothing. Okay, uh, so then I'm going to go to another one and uh, tap into my advanced neuro uh, imaging. Uh, and I can roll to see and record a subject's active surface thoughts. Uh, it's obvious you're doing it, but adding kick allows you to do it secretly and or zoom into deeper thoughts and memories. Use caution. <laughs> okay, sure. Lena, I just want to point out I don't like the way you're responding. 
uh, to me wanting to roll this. It sounds like chicanery. Before you continue with your advanced neural imaging, I do mm -hmm. love this offer you're putting on the table, but maybe before you roll to get this subject's thoughts, would you like to know what you see with your omniscience aperture? Yes, please. <laughs> yes, 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 please. Because you can see through walls into objects and all around you. There are a lot of walls, specifically a lot of doors that you can see through. And while I alluded to the fact that these bay doors are not unlike the ones you might find in storage lockers, what is beyond these doors is anything but storage. It's more in the realm of uh, canisters of fluid and or other objects. Fluid canisters? <laughs> oh no. Fluid canisters. <laughs> uh, I'm trying not to say the word organs because that's very yucky, but that's what's happening here. Um, some of these uh, uh, units have people in them. Some of them appear to be standing and talking as if they are perhaps engaging in some sort of transaction, uh, but some of these units have um, reclined chairs and even like um, beds or cots uh, in which people are uh, that appear to be having uh, some manner of surgery performed on them. This is what I can see through the doors on the other side? Yes, in all of these individual storage units, it's a uh, plethora of things and some people. You know what? I still kind of want to roll, uh, make a roll because this will heavily inform my response. So I want to still use my advanced uh, neural imaging but I want to uh, record a subject's active surface thoughts into the people who are doing the this strange potential surgery slash the person who has <laughs> surgery being done onto them. I want to see if, is this like voluntary? Is this against their will? I, I, I'm, that's the kind of thing I'm trying to pick up. I see. Yeah, you know what I mean? Is this a threat? Is this an active threat? Okay, so Lena. to clarify, is you're this a not... war crime? Am I walking <laughs> into a war crime, Lena? Okay, okay, okay. Just, so, just to be absolutely clear, you're not doing the neural imaging on the person who is leading you through this space. You are doing it into one of the units. Because yes, since this okay, is what okay. my omniscience aperture is coming, this seems to be like potentially a bigger problem. Because I don't know, Tre Trev Four, Trev Four. This is what I know about him. Trev Four is not into war crimes. Super much, and uh, <laughs> he's not, huh? No, he's not. He wouldn't. Okay. And so I just want to make sure we're on the up and up here, Lena. Yes. Okay. You may roll. <laughs> Very good. So I am still doing the kick. So it's uh, done secretly. Uh, I am going to add. Well, I guess I'm going to do a D6 for my attitude and a D6 for my turbo because this seems like uh, an important investigation <laughs> to conduct. <Okay. laughs> sure. um, Lena, you have me do a good concern right now. Okay, here we go. Okay, we got a six out of that, which means okay. I, I succeeded on an action. I refill one of my attitudes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, congratulations on your six. Uh, you are able to read uh, uh, the surface thoughts 
Uh, This is the information that you gather from reading the thoughts. Everyone is a willing party. This is all uh, on the up and up between those two people. But also you get the information that this procedure in general is completely illegal according to the laws of Web Corporation Megatower. According to Web. I gotta, I gotta step in here. Dave did a whole roll about that, and he rolled a full-on success, a full six. I, we gotta hear some inner monologue. This can't be a thing that we just discuss out of character around the table. He got a six. He has earned <laughs> the uh, chance to actually hear this person's surface-level thoughts. <laughs> okay, okay, great. Uh, I can do that. <laughs> um, sure. Because I am recording this. This is a key thing. That's the advanced neural imaging. I... See and record a subject's active surface thoughts. Podcasts are an audio medium. We got to hear them. You're absolutely right. Can I get a body part, please? Ooh. Appendix. Elbow. (laughs) Ribs. The thyroid. (laughs) I'm going to go with appendix. (laughs) Uh So I'm going to go with uh, appendix. And um, uh, uh, first, uh, uh, thoughts of the person performing the surgery. Oh, they really uh, paid a uh, top dollar for this high-quality appendix here. This is in high demand. Uh, it, it, th- these, th- as we all know, the appendix in Operabum is a vital, vital organ. And I can't believe I was able to get my hands on this in the first place. Oh, man, if Web Corporation ever finds out, they're going to lock me up for the rest of my life. This is one lucky person here. And then the person performing the surgery is like, wow, oh, feeling like I'm on the sky. I'm going to have the bestest appendix I get. Two, way more useful than one, and way more useful than zero. Ooh, flowy. <laughs> what kind of fucked up Mad Libs podcast is this become? Are you happy? Are you entertained? <laughs> I love the thought. You, you know how you're going about your day, and sometimes in your own head, head you think... As we all know, <laughs> as we all know, our internal organs are very important. <laughs> I am entertained. Thank you. Okay. Oh, God. All right. All right. So, like, I recognize that uh, this is complicit on both sides. Like, they both agree to this arrangement. Yes. But this is illegal. Oh, yeah. Where you are right now and what is happening around you, uh, super illegal. Maybe there are above ground, extremely expensive ways to do this. uh, But this uh, uh, particular uh, vibe that you are in is very, very illegal. Got you. Okay, so uh, here's the thing. Trev 4, this is not necessarily a decision he's making. Okay. Instead, this is just programming coming in as it's reading the situation. And his face, once again, is replaced not by like a eyes and uh, mouth like he normally has, but is instead replaced by a triangle with a big exclamation point. And it does, <laughs> he doesn't say anything, but there is that ding that comes from deep inside the computer, not the speakers, but from the inside the hardware. I don't know how to describe it, but it's <laughs> happened. I'm like, Ugh. That's what's happening to him. You're like, bank, and uh, if you look at him, there's this thing on his face uh, that you almost have to like clear to get rid of. You know what I mean? So it's just like 
there's a serious violation, but uh, Trev for himself doesn't know how to like handle this information. I think if Maeve sees this, you know, she kind of clocks that we are in an ambiguously uh, an ambiguous state of legality here and doesn't want to <laughs> blow our cover and is like, Trev, come on, man, be cool. And starts like double clicking, double tapping on Trev's face, trying to clear this alert. <laughs> And so what I think is happening is Trevor, as he's still trying to walk along, he, it's it's like he doesn't have the ram to do all of this. So he like starts walking in this like weird jilted like steps and everything like this. And he sends messages to everybody that is just like a wall of like error messages of like, uh, does it understand? And, and, and you get the vibe of like, there are people who are going in danger. There's people who are going through, uh, uh, have medical procedures that there is a, a violation mm-hmm. of uh, upper ablum laws kind of a thing at play just like Maeve is gonna she's tapping on his face and it's not clearing this alert and so she's just gonna look him right into the visual reception and say Trev remember what you said right when we when we met up in music park you said you you would put us first you put the crew first right Trev stops the uh, warning kind of goes away replaces with his face there he is and I look at you uh, Maeve I don't say anything, but once again, your phone pings up uh, mm-hmm. with this uh, thing of like, this place may be in violation of opera ablum laws. Uh, subsection uh, web. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But we got a job to do, right? She, she, you know, she see, reads this message on her phone, but says it out loud to you. Uh... <laughs> Beside Trevor's now replenished face comes a little, like, icon, digitized icon of a thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) It's on his face, but it's there. (laughs) Not his actual thumb. (laughs) No, it's not. It's like, yeah. And I I follow uh, suit. Gold star, buddy. Aw. The the operabling carries on and eventually stops at one of the bay doors. Uh, They wave a card at the base, uh, and uh, it unlatches, and they lift the door up to reveal a chrome countertop along one side with cupboards above and below and a sink. Against the other corner is a computer terminal, And taking up the middle of the unit is a uh, menacing-looking reclining chair with straps on the arms and a uh, mirror-like fixture on a metal arm uh, up and over it. And this operablin turns and looks at Brinley and then looks over at Helix and says, So who's getting the access? Right, uh, so Helix... Apparently, you can get access to the higher floors because you're from web and already have biometrics, is my understanding. Um, wait, we need to go to floor 619. Well, that is, we need to go to floor 647. That is, we need to go, um, up. (laughs) Well, my biometrics only allow me access to about floors in the 500s. I can get you higher than that. Whatever floor you need. I can get you there. 
And the, uh, the upper Ablin sort of turns, and it looks like they're looking over at this imposing-looking chair in the middle of the room. Uh, and they say, either I give you what you need to get where you need to go, or I take what you got. I make it work in your favor. And then they go to the computer and they pick up what looks like a barcode scanner. And they look at it and they look over at you, Helix, and they say, Pinnacle, right? And of course you can't see their face, but something in the tone of their voice sounds a little bit eager. It feels like you sort of assumed I would just lend my biometrics. You you have to understand this isn't some you know, chunky passcode you punch into a bunch of clicky buttons like in Lansden. My biometrics are, are how I interface with the world around me. They're, they're, they're not something I... It's an incredible breach of personal security, what what you're suggesting I do here. Uh, and, and frankly, this, and he points to the this, like, deranged, you know? <laughs> and he's like, my, all, all we'd be doing would be adding to my biometrics if I... If I scan anything higher than six, uh, the Pinnacle Project will know I was there. And, you know, most days I don't care, but I I, I definitely, uh, I don't want to have to explain that to them if I don't know what I'm getting into. I'll do it. And he does, like, both maybe Brinley and Helix do the, like, jaggly or, like, wiggly-cheeked, like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no one's logging my biometrics anywhere. Lansden doesn't, doesn't keep track of that kind of thing, right? What what are we talking about here? And she looks to um, surgery man. Did we get a name for him? <laughs> you did not. <laughs> surgery Dan, the surgery man. Sure, surgery Dan. <laughs> what are we talking about here? <sighs> Sorry, everyone's so fit. It took me a while to catch up. I I gotta cut back on the death sticks. <sighs> <laughs> 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 Oh, I was going to say this storage neighborhood seemed very pleasant, but this man, this surgery man is very intense now. Uh, uh, surgery Dan. <laughs> uh, their features don't change because, of course, you know, goggles and face mask, face is fully obscured. Um, but they just kind of look at you for a moment and then take a breath and say, you're Thenispar. I- I'm from Thenispar, yeah. No Thenispar here. Yeah, I don't think your biometrics are going to work, Maeve. I, I appreciate you stepping up to the plate, but, uh, you know, just by, by way of being Thenispartian, you're you're not going to be able to fool or adapt to, to any sort of adapt in air quotes, uh, again, gesturing to everything around him, yeah. uh, to, to uh, web technology higher than six, or most levels, to be honest. Yeah, it figures that my biometrics would be too cool for your systems to handle. <laughs> I didn't realize you were cold-blooded. <laughs> so wait, if they're calling for an operablen biometric source, that means... Well, it has to be one of us three? Unfortunately. Though a fun coincidence that there's one from each of the towers. That's that's neat. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's kind of neat in a back-alley surgery kind of way. <laughs> Just sorry, I'm I'm ner- I, I when I get nervous I make factual observations. <laughs> That's how I cope with awkward situations. <laughs> just pointing out statistics. <laughs> Look, I I, I 
wouldn't ask you to do it if you're not comfortable, Helix. I just, I thought it would be easier for you or something. Um, there, there would be less steps involved, I suspect. And he like looks at Surgery Dan and Surgery Dan is like, put, you know, like maybe puts one needle away. Surgery Dan uh, tilts their head forward and back in the smallest possible <laughs> nod. Was it a nod? Probably a nod. <laughs> this is my idea. I'm the one who called to ask you guys here. Hattie asked me to make this delivery, so I'll do it. And uh, as a decision is uh, made, this opera who I will continue to call Surgery Dan, uh, (laughs) crosses over to uh, one of the counters, opens it up, and pulls out uh, a few small rectangular containers. They kind of don't look like they have any discernible uh, lids, or anything like that, and uh, starts giving you uh, a couple of things. Uh, A small case, and you can see through it and see contact lenses inside. Mm -hmm. They give you a, what looks like a a recorder, or like kind of like a recorder. Uh, It's kind of hard to parse, but they hold it out to you, press a button, press it up against their throat, and they say... Arise and savor, and their voice is completely different. <laughs> and they pull the device away and hand it over to you. They also give you a USB port uh, and a little sort of dongle that you can plug it into. Uh, they plug it in, and a, a, a holographic face pops up. And they unplug it and they hand that stuff over to you. Then they turn, uh, take one more thing from the cupboard, close it turn to you and say, so you're getting the thumb? Hmm. That's what I said I'd do, hey? Yeah, I figured that's probably it was something like that. Uh, I mean, if you continue to do intertower deliveries, having a thumbprint that gives you access to web facilities might be a good uh, investment in your future, he sort of says unconvincingly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was kind of thinking the same thing, to be honest. Like, I figured it's, like, useful and stuff. Um, Good, good. Then we're all on the same page. Helix is feeling very guilty about letting you go through with this. Um, but this, this because this whole thing is sort of your idea, like, he, he, he he's he's going to let Brinley do this because it's like she said, it's it's her job. It's uh, her idea. He's still not entirely sure why we're here to help her with yeah. this other than a, a run to the candy factory sounds sweet. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think he's like, I, I, I don't know what you're doing. Like when a friend is going to get a tattoo, where you're like, I don't think you should get a tattoo, but it's your money, man. I, you know, if you, <laughs> if you want. Uh, uh, surgery jet, Dan like gently uh, taps the chair as if to say, have a seat. All right. Um, if I die, go to floor 647 and deliver this. I, I. Don't think you're going to die one because this is not that kind of surgery. And two, I'm, I'm gonna stay stay with her. Uh, I I don't know if you all intend to, but I, I'm gonna hang out here with Brindley while this happens. And he's gonna offer to hold your other hand, whatever thumb hand is not getting thumb printed. Did nice. Uh, Trevor is still uh, very suspicious of everything happening around here and just like does not know how to process. So I'm using all of my capabilities to monitor uh, Brinley 
as she goes through this and uh, focusing on like vital signs and like turning into one of those machines that you see at a hospital that uh, uh, monitors everything. <laughs> sure, I guess a monitor. heart, mo- a heart <laughs> monitor. I guess is what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I like I like that this this you know this is still an everyday thing in Operabilm. I like how this is set apart from our our you know earthen world. Um, yeah. And this this has all the vibes of like when I was in high school, friends giving other friends guitar string tattoos. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, don't do this, but it's not like no one's gonna die. It's just generally a bad idea. It's like, but this is what the stupid kids in Operabilm get up to. It's like a- <laughs> And I do love that we keep coming back to getting a tattoo kind of as uh, an analogy for this, because I think a lot of it is very similar. The one difference is that there is like sort of a like clamp bracer thing, Brinley, that goes around your forearm that does a quick like pinch and then you're numb from the elbow down. Mm. And otherwise, like sitting still in a chair, arm to one side, he has he has like a uh, a gun needle laser pointer looking apparatus, um, just like at a tattoo parlor. You know, you hear the buzzing, uh, <laughs> and it takes ten minutes, uh, and then the clamp comes off, and you got a new thumb, Brinley. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, crap. Do I owe? I must owe you something. There's no way you did that for free. I didn't do it for free, but you don't owe me anything. Okay. Radical. <laughs> That's less than reassuring, but I'm not going to question it. I suspect whoever commissioned Brindley for this run also paid for the, the this dongle and this recorder and all the other devices that we were handed. Right, right. I love the technology we pick up doing clandestine or uh, clandestine missions for shadowy organizations. This is <laughs> cool and good. Um, we're great business we're in. <laughs> Maeve uh, slowly loosens her grip on I think the entire time that procedure was happening was was in her pocket of her robe gripping the backup portaling device that's in my other gear just like if this goes bad and we need to get out of here fast I'm I'm ready but uh, slowly lets it go and it's like okay I think I think my friend just has a new thumb now and everything's everything's uh, <laughs> blessed to <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, going to spend one bite, uh, Brinley, just mm-hmm. because, you know, you had to have a whole anesthetic pr- procedure happen to you. Uh, you're going to take the slam of pins and needles. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> that will clear by next episode. So you don't even need to wait for d- downtime. Radical. But it's going to be there for a little bit. Okay. And uh, you you step out of the chair and uh, or surgery Dan says... Uh, I'll see you out. And they start walking to lead you back towards the entrance. All right, gang. So you're probably wondering if we're here on official business, why do I have to get a new thumb? Um, (laughs) That is one of many things I'm wondering, yes. (laughs) So we are here on official business. There is a contract that I am delivering. However, there is a secret that we are delivering to uh, the Wilkie's lab itself. We get to go in the lab? Back in time, Hattie opens 
the door. And you immediately get the smell of that strange, bitter candy that she just gave you, but much more potent because you find yourself in a storefront for this particular type of candy. It's very, very small, basically just a a counter and some shelves uh, with the product on it. It's a little bit cool uh, in temperature here, and you kind of get the sense that you know, marketing maybe isn't Lansden's strong suit here because all of the product is is wrapped in the same plain paper packaging that Hattie had. You thought it was a discretion thing, but it, it seems to be more of a this is what we have kind of thing. Marketing is more kindred strong suit anyway. From there, there is an operablin who's who's manning the front desk, but Hattie just kind of nods to them and they nod back. And the two of you make your way behind the counter and into a back room. Here, uh, it's much colder and you're sort of walking down a narrow hallway and on either side, you see uh, rolling trays and you see that this, this candy is in molds and is solidifying. You carry on and uh, go through another door at the end of this hallway, and you find yourself in a room that is uh, quite a bit louder and quite a bit hotter. There are two vats on either side of you that are churning and humming. Uh, You imagine something is being stirred in their contents. Uh, Hattie leads you a little bit further into the room. You see tables with like heat lamps over top, and you see what looks like some kind of nut or bean. Uh, And these are all uh, in the hundreds that's roasting under these lights. Uh, (laughs) It smells the the same sort of sweetness that you smelled in the storefront, but much more acidic. And it has almost like an alcoholic smell to it. And beyond that, you feel the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end and the hairs on your arms stand on end and your slug blaster sense is tingling (laughs) and Hattie says you feel it? Yeah. What do you feel? Electric. There is a thin zone here. We can't get through it from this side. It's one way. As far as we can tell it doesn't link to any neighboring dimension that we currently know of. We think that there might be a pocket dimension on the other side of this thin zone. And whatever that pocket dimension is, based on the characteristics of this room, it's probably hot, and it's definitely sweet. You get what I'm saying? It's a candy factory? (laughs) We think there's a candy factory. And we think the entrance is in Web Tower on floor 647. Your friend, the uh, robot one, he can detect thin zones, right? Yeah, that's right. Then he's your key to finding that entrance. It's hard to say what's going to be on the other side. You might want to wear Hasware. Just to be safe. And please... Send our regards to Mr. Wilkie when you get there. 
Star Disaster. You make your way out of the black market, uh, now fully on the same page uh, as to the nature of your mission. Brinley has given you all the details of her conversation with Hattie and what you're really here to do. You make your way up Web Tower through the elevator network. Of course, with Web Tower, the way that their elevator network functions is that they have elevators everywhere, the trips are short, and you transfer often. Um, They are also very obscure in their tech. Helix, of course, would be intimately familiar with how this works, and and Trevin Woltz would have a passing familiarity. But the good news is, the location pin that you have, Brinley, always seems to guide you to the correct hallway, to the correct lift, through the correct doors. And with your card, you have access. You can always go through without incident. So, at this point, the five of you make it to floor 619. And you're making your way closer to hard web, which is the colloquial term for the vertex of the tower that is furthest away from Kindred and Lanston. And it also tends to be where they tend to keep their most uh, uh, coveted secrets. Um, So it is perhaps not much of a surprise that as you are making a delivery for Wilkies, you are heading to this more reclusive vertex of the tower. You find yourselves in an area that is rather unusual for Webb. Uh, it's an open-air space, and you're on an open-air pedway. Uh, in Lansden and Kindred, these sort of areas are quite plentiful, but not so much in Webb, because Webb is very much the type of place where you can only get where you are allowed to go and where you're meant to go. But you do have this open air that leads straight up, and you have now reached your divergence point. If you keep going towards the place of your initial delivery, you are getting further away from where you actually need to go, which is floor 647, where the entrance to Wilkie's lab is presumed to be. So this open air pedway, the moment you start making your way up, People are probably going to catch on that you're going to be heading where you're not supposed to go. But this is now your shot to make your way to floor 647, to Wilkie's lab, and to use Brinley's ill-gotten biometric authentication to get there. What do you do? Is there an actual contract to deliver, or was that entirely lies? You do have um, a bunch of papers in an envelope. It, it all looks very official, like it is a contract, but Hattie also said, you know, this is not the delivery that you are okay. making. So we don't have to, don't have to like do both. <laughs> cool. You did need like an official cover to actually get all three towers to agree to authorize your presence in web. Mm-hmm. So they made the, the fake out delivery look as above board mm. and official as possible. So, I guess it's just a straight shot up from here? Looks like Maeve starts cracking every set of knuckles she has, which takes a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, I mean, it is, look, I'm sure all of our imaginations are reeling with different ways to use our hoverboard to ascend these 
headways crossing each other's pathway at perpendicular angles uh, until we reach the floor we need to. But uh, I do need to remind you that we are being observed. And the very act of observing something changes its outcome. Uh, so let's just uh, uh, proceed with caution, maybe plan a route uh, instead of just scrambling up there willy-nilly. I normally just kind of feel it out when I do deliveries, and that's worked for me. But um, y'all have to figure out your own thing. You definitely are the expert in in uh, traversing open air uh, infrastructure uh, vertically. I'm just saying, subtlety is not one of my strong suits. Well, Bryn, if you want to take point on the on the up part, I mean, what with the the gravity gauntlet and all, then maybe I could uh, lend Helix a hand in uh, keeping our activities off of people's radars, and she kind of. Fiddles with the controls on her jacket to to just, like, do a little pulse of light from her jacket, as though to suggest, like, hey, I can do cool illusion shit with my jacket. <laughs> that might be helpful. Uh, I think with Walt and Carcinikin, uh, uh, one of the more recent mods that uh, he got with that is the mobility booster, so he can probably help out uh, with Brinley and getting the team moving in that sort of, that sort of way. Uh, yeah, I'd like to, Helix would like to use Technobabble, the... I unlocked it last session. I get to use it. Um, whoever I would like to add one, my D6 to a roll by uh, explaining something technical with jargon. Well, I could start us off. Maeve was thinking of using uh, the photo bypass to roll to fold normal light around you and blend in with your surroundings. Uh, that to me feels like it's very limited to the jacket itself and like folding light around around anything that is contained within the jacket. I know we had to use it one time previously uh, with Maeve and Walt and, and we both had to uh, cozy up. Um, so there's no way we're fitting five of us in a jacket, but I'm wondering if, like, combined with Helix's techno babble and prowess there, if I were to say burn a kick, could we maybe rig up some sort of temporary expansion of the photo bypass ability? Maybe expand this invisibility field for the duration of a roll. I like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It seems that we need to keep our presence unknown to the folks here in the tower. Perhaps we should actually fulfill what we are actually supposed to deliver and indicating the the package uh, that's our cover story. I could deliver the package and then I could catch up with you later. After all, I do have rockets in my knees and I could probably launch myself up fairly easily. If I take the package, I could uh, engage some of my loudspeakers. <laughs> People have noted that... The robot is very loud and annoying. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Are you sure you're going to be able to regroup with us, Trev? It's That's a long way to go on your own. It will be concerning. However, I do trust in my abilities to catch up. And if the group of you get into trouble and you need my help immediately, you can just send me a code word to alert me. Perhaps... Booyaka! Booyaka! How about Gold Star? <laughs> that would also be appropriate, I think. So, just to make sure I have all of the offers on the table, we have a distraction play by Trev4. Helix and Maeve are working together to try and keep y'all hidden as you make your way up to floor 647. And Brinley and Walt are going to work on getting y'all up there fast. Mm -hmm. Yep. Perfect. 
let's maybe start with the cloaking, the stealth from Helix and Maeve. So I'm going to mark a kick to expand this effect out to all of us. I'm going to add a d6 from my jacket. I'm going to add a hype die. And I'm going to add 1d6 from Helix. Maeve, you've got the photo bypass ability. If you just amp up uh, some of its emittance field, I can take my board and point it uh, sort of at yours like like light hitting a mirror and reflecting around a corner. Um, we should be able to extend the field not just around us to, you know, as a group, but in a pathway reflecting at an angle um, just at the platform above us. Does that does that make sense? Like you're going to admit it and then I'm going to reflect the invisibility up to the next level. So we'll get two sort of a pathway, uh, a beam of invisibility uh, going up uh, from this, the one we're on to that one over there. And he points to a, a an intersecting pedway above uh, to the one above it. It should, if my calculations are correct, we probably point it that way. Uh, this is Robin, the player saying that makes total sense. And I love that offer. Uh, and now to Maeve. None of that made any sense, but I trust you, Helix. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he, he, he'll, he'll jump up and sort of like hang from a pedway above. And he's like trying to point his angle is his board and the hard light on his board so that it, you know, shoots up. And I'm going to roll 46 with a kick. We got a one, a three, a three, and a five. Ooh. Okay. As you set up this cloaking, Brindley and Walt, I'm going to say that you get this first leg up. No problem. You manage to vault up to the first balcony. Perfectly fine. You are camouflaged and you're picking up momentum to start your route. But Maeve, you notice Operablins dressed like the same security guards that you and Brindley encountered in the Skyway rush onto the pedway that you were just on and they're looking around and one of them says where did they go they were just here and the other one says fan out and they both vault up and over the pedway and then their boots sort of like flare out like they got rocket boots on and they start sort of making their way up the open air searching for you they haven't found you but they are searching for you uh-oh. Brinley Walt, let's get a roll. So I'm thinking Bryn will have a regular old roll to launch yourself high in the air, use your beam like a grappling hook, or give yourself a boost of speed. But also, if I may, combine that with the agility pin. Roll to manipulate things at a distance with the accuracy and power of two human hands. So she's using the grappling hook to get up. Mm -hmm. And then using the agility pin to, like, alley-oop her friends. Oh, that's dope. Maybe, like, as Brindley takes the lead, Carcinican is helping you using, like, bubble bursts or something to shoot uh, other teammates upward. And Brin is kind of, like, catching them, maybe? Yeah. I gotta do a trick. <laughs> I gotta do a trick. You gotta. It gives me 1d6. Don't you know? <laughs> and since it's a group roll, does that mean we all get style if we pull it off? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and we all get worse complications if it fails. You eh? all are going to get worse complications if it fails. Absolutely. Cool. And I get to refill one attitude. Woo. <laughs> oh, no. Uh -oh. no. Highest was a two. The highest was a two. Oh, no. <sighs> okay. What was your trick? A 
think it was just like a little wall run. Just a little wall run. Okay, okay. I think, Brinley, you are uh, running up this, uh, uh, maybe it's an elevator column or something, and uh, you're, you're sort of making your way through an opening mm-hmm. between two pedways so that you can, like, vault up and over, and then you crash hard into... Actually... What? I'm so sorry. You've always just been amazing at parkour. If this would help you with an action, you could spend one trouble to upgrade a one to three result to a four to five result. You sure you don't want to crash into this force field, though? Yeah, I really don't want to crash into the force field. <laughs> I got this really nice force field for you. It's like, what? There were force fields in this area? What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm so sorry that I forgot that I had that. Anyway, I'm going to spend one trouble to upgrade this uh, failure into a mixed success. Fabulous. Okay, so... Um, you are running, and you actually see the air sort of, like, shimmer like a weird mirage thing, and you're like, oh, dip, there's a force field there, I can't do that. So everyone else sees you, like, skid to a stop, free fall, and then use your gravity beam to, like, whoop you up on the other side. Hell yeah. Um, so you are, uh, uh, you're, you're good. Uh, you're not gonna crash into this force field. And the four of you continue to make your way quickly up towards six, four, seven. If it's a success now, that means we all mark a style, right? Yes, it does mean you all mark a style. Yeah! (laughs) I think what I'll say for the complication is that you are realizing that these force fields are appearing. And in fact, as you approach them, they do get that shimmer. Very much like in a video game where you're like navigating an invisible maze and then suddenly like spikes pop out of nowhere or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have trouble knowing if you're safe until you're like moving through the opening. And sometimes you do have to like stop last minute because you see the shimmer and you have to like abruptly and not very smoothly redirect. And the other thing that I will add to this is because you're encountering these force fields and are needing to abruptly change your route, security hasn't seen you, but they're seeing these shimmers. Hmm. So they both turn and start following behind you. And it seems like they know exactly where the openings are. So they are closing in on you. Trev, if you wanted to hit that distraction tactic, now would be the time. So uh, as I'm going out, I I want you to imagine uh, that Trev 4 is kind of marching in that kind of way, uh, like... Where it's just like the f- there, there's no bend of the knees. It's just the full like leg out, and as the, from the he's like goose stepping, he's goose stepping essentially. <laughs> Ministry of Silly Walking. Also, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, they're not the only one. There's many p- folks that do this kind of marching. <laughs> they ruined a lot of mustaches and walks. Those guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, you know, out from his chest is, of course. Uh, a modified version of the Kindred uh, uh, anthem, which is package, package, I have package, I have a package for you. 
he didn't figure out the right rhythm to the thing, but that's, he's not a writer. Um, and, and he's just, uh, it's blaring out of his chest speaker as he's going uh, proudly with like the little envelope heading towards the business. So I, I think you like, you get there no problem. Uh, as you are like, you burst through the doors, speakers blaring, uh, package, package. Uh, the receptionist looks up and let's get a roll as you deliver this package. Yeah, I don't really have a skill that what's going to actually really help me with this. So I am just going to uh, at, throw an extra die for my attitude. So just 2d6. Okay. Uh, here we go. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> oh, it, it, you don't have to be because it was a six. It's a two and a six, so that's a six. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, which also means because I'm the heart, I get uh, that attitude back. And uh, uh, thank you. Uh, it means a lot to me. And <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, proudly put the 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 package down in front of the receptionist. Here is a package that I am delivering on behalf of Post Host. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, this is exactly the thing. And you're with Gold Star Disaster. Oh, that's so exciting. But um, where's the um the Lansdon girl, the, cur- the courier? <laughs> she is unavailable. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you for making this delivery. I'm very excited that we get to work together on this. Well, that Lansdon and Webb get to... You are already... Well... Anyway, this is very exciting. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for your understanding. And then I uh, go ahead and give a gold star to the receptionist there. Wow. (laughs) Point of order. Trev rolled a complete success. And while, you know, the thing he was doing was delivering the package, the intent of the offer was to create a distraction. So by succeeding, does that mean that he pulls some of this heat off of us? Uh, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking the success would come from the fact that I'm just so loud that it's just drawing everybody's attention. Yeah. Do you pick up your package song on your way out? I pick up my package song. I, oh, and as I'm going out, I am just like, this has been such a wonderful experience. You are one of the greatest customers. And I start shooting out a stream of Gold Star stickers just <laughs> willy-nilly and heading back out. Uh, they, they should not have allowed uh, me to have the stickers for free. And, 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 and I'm starting to head out, and I'm just spitting them out of my thumb as I'm heading towards a point to try to, like, you know, catch up to the others. Okay. So maybe there's, like, kids gathering <laughs> as, <laughs> as the stickers are coming out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I love that. I love that. The, the other four uh, members of Gold Star Disaster... Security is, like, hot on your tail. You see their, like, glowing red goggle eyes and their full face masks, and you can't make out their features. You see all the threatening-looking orbs and taser batons and ray guns and, you know, very militaristic-looking security rocketing closer and closer. And then they abruptly stop, Mm. and one of them starts uh, listening at the walkie-talkie on on his lapel. He's like, what? What do you mean it was delivered? No, we're on their... We're on our way. (laughs) And uh, the two of them go back and and shoot down. And Trev4, you see these uh, security officers coming up, but 
uh, you're surrounded by like uh, web kids at this point, mm-hmm. and as they make their way towards you, they kind of get swarmed by this like gaggle of kids that are like, "Wow, are you uh, going to uh, shoot that gun? Can I touch your gun?" And mm-hmm. and they're just like, "Oh, cool! Some cops. Cops are cool, we guess." Uh, giving you time, <laughs> uh, giving Trev more time to, uh, you know, they're like, uh, "Cops are cool. We're kids. We don't know better." Um, and Trev, you uh, have an opportunity to slip away and catch up with your friends. Yeah, I love. Trev, just creating a wholesome community moment is what gets the cops on their back feet. Is actually yeah. to like, engage with the people they serve and protect in a meaningful way. Uh, <laughs> oh, gang, that was that was a close one. Uh, I I thought they had us when we were redirecting around those invisible walls, but I, whatever called them away, it uh, sure did do the trick. That, oh, hey, Trev. Hello. I should have never doubted your distraction play. Great job. <laughs> oh, it is my pleasure to prove you wrong. Now, <laughs> are we ready to uh, proceed forward? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Candy factory, candy factory, candy factory. All right. Uh, Bryn, where are we headed? Uh, well, we need uh, to find the thin zone. So, Trev, can you hit us with that space-time ampimeter, my fellow? Ah, uh, yes, indeed. And then, uh, you know, he starts going into his programming and starts to pull that up. Uh, do I need to roll a, a check for anything, or is this just a thing? Because... Uh, it is just a standard sta- uh, space-time ampimeter. Yes, you don't need to roll. You're making your way up. Uh, you have gone up, you know, roughly 30 floors very, very fast. Um, and as you are approaching 647, Trev 4, your space-time ampimeter does, in fact, go off. It is on this floor, as Hattie suspected. It is not far from where you are. And this signature... You don't recognize anything about the readings of it. Like sometimes I, I figure with the space-time ampimeter, you can sort of figure out, oh, this goes back to blah, blah, blah. This thin zone goes this way or whatever. You don't get anything like that. All you get is strong reading. Uh, you are very close. It seems that, uh, that we have found the location. I, it is unclear where it leads to, but... I am confident this is where we're supposed to go. So, Trev, you're going to uh, lead the way down this side hall, uh, making your way. Uh, Security is not on your tail at this point. And you find yourselves at a sliding door. And a panel on the side of the door lights up. You know, no handles or hinges or anything that you can sort of determine. And uh, this panel lights up. And I don't think it says anything. I don't think Web Tower uses, you know, like voice programming, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that feels a lot more like a kindred thing to me. But the first thing that the panel does is it lights up and it shows this like uh, a green matrixy, computery graphic of an eye. Uh, yeah, Brinley puts in the contacts. It takes her way longer than she thought it would because contacts are fiddly and she doesn't like touching her own eye. Uh, but she gets them in mm-hmm. <laughs> and goes over and just like angles her head so that she is eye level with this scanning device. Uh, a horizontal line goes down and up and then it 
the the icon sort of like zooms out and is now a, a full head. Uh, so Brinley uses the USB that has the hologram of a person's face. The line goes down and up again. It then uh, goes to a like sound wave. Oh, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> Arise and savor. Uh, and then the uh, graphic changes one more time to a uh, uh, fingerprint. And uh, Brindley takes her thumb, her new thumb, and puts it on the, the dealie. He like sort of winces thinking about the situation he's, he's willingly put Brindley into. Um, kind of glad it's not him, but also guilty it's had to come to this. Maeve thinks back and tries to remember which thumb it is and can't and is really nervous that you might have picked the wrong one, but doesn't say anything. <laughs> that's that's four thumb problems. <laughs> Aren't you glad you couldn't get this thumb? You would have absolutely <laughs> lost track. <laughs> Brinley, as you press your thumb against this pad and the horizontal line goes down and up. You, you've been kind of feeling numbness in your arm for most of the time that you've been in web tower since getting that surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, it's starting to wear off. It's feeling a little bit more pins and needlesy, but not as numb at this point. And as you press, you get this weird feeling as you realize you can actually like feel the panel against your thumb, like you have feeling in this thumb now. And the door slides open. And what you see is, if you ever see a thin zone actually open to a portal, the the opening is typically a, a black void because portals are typically one way. So you're not getting light from the other side. You don't know what's over until you actually properly punch through. The reason that Trev Force signal was so strong was that he wasn't detecting a thin zone. He was detecting a portal. This is an opening, and while some of it is black, you see well, what looks like a rainbow kaleidoscope in like a center pinpoint of this portal. Gold Star Disaster, do you go through? You better go through. I got a new thumb. <laughs> <laughs> The five of you make your way through the thin zone, and usually you have this moment of, like, there's sort of that, like, rush of nothing as you're, like, inhabiting this weird space between spaces. Uh, you're sort of feeling that, but also you're feeling really present in it and more more in between than suspended in nothing, if that makes sense. And you almost have this feeling like you're going down a weird slide or something. There's like a vertigo effect to it. And you don't really punch through, but you go through. Bright colors fill your vision in a dizzying kaleidoscope. And sugary sweet smells flood your nostrils and smell receptors. You feel like you're simultaneously sinking and floating. And you realize it's because gravity has less force here. Yet the ground underneath you is indenting as you stand on it. Your hasware kicks in, protecting you from a surprising shock of cold, though you still feel off 
like there's something, somehow, that lacks cohesion. The colors settle into shapes you can actually discern. Rainbow-bright rivers, trees made of stretchy sap, a pink sky with paisley-patterned clouds, and crystalline cliffsides reflecting and refracting prisms through their semi-transparent faces. You see something up ahead that does not appear to be part of the natural structure. An enormous, smooth, turquoise dome. Welcome to the Candy Kingdom, sweetlings. <laughs> Welcome to Wilkie's Lab. <laughs> 